Is it time? When is Jesus returning? Had somebody actually tell one of our staff people, said, hey, Chris told us that the end of the world is coming, and then he took a two-week vacation. <laughs> What's the deal? Is he going to finish the series? <laughs> I just love holding you in suspense like that. Amen? No, I'm, it's good to be back. I, I am just so thankful for our ministry staff, for the guys. Uh, CJ and Dan did a great job preaching for me. Somebody even said, somebody even said today, we didn't miss you. <laughs> all right, give me an awe. But you know what that tells me is that we got some guys that, that when they preach and when they lead in worship and when they do what they do, they are who they are on stage. They, they have integrity. And I really, really appreciate that, that I'm a part of a, a staff, and I love everyone, our, our, all of our staff, but particularly these guys that, that I have the opportunity to put in front of you, and hopefully you get to know them a little bit better in their hearts and what they think and how they live, because they are who they are. And uh, it's just a real honor to get to work with them and get to know them. And it's, it's a joy to come to work every day. And I know, you know, as a pastor, you don't probably see that as a work kind of thing, but it is. And, and you just want to be around an environment that's positive and upbuilding. And these guys are. And so it's just really, really, really nice to have them. Amen? And... Just taking a hitch and ride on that, CJ and, and the youth crew did a great job with the, uh, the yard sale and uh, just, I think, over $3,000 he, he's worn out. They camp out here. I remember those days of sleeping in a tent and, and inside, and we had some uh, ladies that chaperoned the girls, and they, they camped out inside here. And they had an awesome day, and our daycare just is busting out and they my grandkids went to a camp day camp because they were going to the zoo and they took like what 73 or more over to the zoo and it was probably a zoo on the way there and on the way back (laughs) amen great job Peggy and, and and your crew and the staff just you know and I missed you I miss you I, I need breaks just to stay mentally healthy and psychologically, emotionally healthy. But, but it's great to be able to leave and know that, that you're in good hands. And uh, we have a great family here. And so if you're online and you're not back in service with us yet, you're missing it. Because these are great people and it's just great to be in relationship with them. And uh, I hope, hope uh, as we gather that we're going to do some fun things this summer and just... You know, this fall is going to be awesome as we regather and reconnect, and we are family, and it's just like a family reunion. You can't get that online, and so please come back and join us. So, talking about this series, we've got five provocative questions that we're, we're looking at. The last one is, is the second coming real and is Jesus really going to come back? We talked about that, and some of the signs were that the Jews were going to regather in Israel, and Israel is, has more Jews in it than it ever has. Used to be there were more Jews in the United States than there were in Israel. Israel, United States is still the first place that the population of Jews are just less than Israel now. So there's that going on. 
the regathering, the reclamation we talked about of the land, and it's just unbelievable, as well as the miracle of Israel being a nation. And when I preached last time, there were bombs or rockets flying into Israel, and we're planning a trip to go to Israel this next year in 2022, and I hope we get to go with all the all the stuff that is going on internationally that, that I'll get to go and walk where Jesus walked and hopefully some of you can join with me. And, and so that brings us to the question is, when is Jesus going to come back? When is Jesus going to come back? And in the last sermon I said, you know, a generation is 70 or 80 years according to the book of Psalms. And when Israel was reestablished as a nation in 1948, that would put it between 2018 and 2028. Now, I'm not predicting that. And I don't want to stake my integrity on that. But folks, the end is near. And what we learned in that sermon is that we better be ready. And at the same time, we've got to realize that the reason why I don't like to spend a lot of time on prophecy is because it kind of labels you over into the extreme and we need to take a biblical approach, a non-paranoid approach. But one of the reasons why we don't talk about it a lot is because Bible prophecy is too abused. And that's some of your favorite Bible preachers and teachers have staked their integrity on naming a name or naming a date and a time when Jesus is going to return. And that's very, very dangerous. And we need to have some hope and we need to be prepared. But if somebody's telling you what the date is, 100% of them that have predicted the date so far have been wrong. Absolutely. If you look up predicting the end times date, Google it, you're going to get to a Wikipedia article that's going to say from the very beginning after Jesus resurrected from the grave in the year of our Lord or common era, however you want to say it, until now, there have been people predicting it. Remember Y2K? I had, I had family that had bought seeds and a garden and wanted me to send them a gun to the U.S. Postal Service. Guess what? That is illegal. I asked, can I send a gun in the mail? No. Y2K, 2012. Do you remember that? what that was? Anybody? The Mayan calendar. The end of the Mayan calendar. People got into an uproar. This last year with the pandemic. Is this a sign of the end times? And what we learned in the last sermon was what? We are living in our last days. And if it's not the last days of our culture and of the world, then it's the last days of our lives. And so we need to live ready. Don't get distracted. Get focused on what God is saying. I'm going to give you some aids to help you stay ready today. 2,000 years ago, Jesus' apostles went to him at night privately and said, 
Hey, Jesus, can you tell us some of this about these signs and the times to kind of give us some insider information about when you will come again? You know what Jesus told them? In Matthew 24, verse 36, he said this, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Now listen, if, if Jesus doesn't know, do you think your favorite Bible preacher or teacher knows? No! I don't know! But we better live ready. Amen? So, we see that Bible prophecy has been abused, but yet, at the same time, we need to stay tuned. Keep focused on Israel. Read your Bible and know what it says. Second, Bible prophecy is too scary. Well, it is scary. You read the book of Revelation, you read the book of Daniel, and you've got these beasts worshiping around the throne of God. You've got a crystal sea. You've got a whore of Babylon who's riding a dragon. You've got a bottomless pit. You've got a lake of fire. You've got brimstone and fire. And it's just, it's just scary. It's your worst horror picture. And at the same time, folks, we that are in Christ, you that are mature in your faith, we have nothing to worry about. The Apostle Paul says that we need to anticipate Jesus' second coming. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this, it says, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. God has prepared a place for you, and it's going to be unbelievable. When we talk about this series, what time it is it? Is the second coming real? Is it, it, when, when is Jesus coming? Next week I'm going to preach about what is hell like? Is hell real? What happens the next week is what happens five minutes after you die? And then we're going to talk about what is heaven like? I'm telling you, it's indescribable, it's unbelievable, and everybody will want to be there. Because nothing in this life can compare to this. Nothing, no, no drug, no chemical, no experience can compare to what we will experience then. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4.18, he says, Therefore encourage one another with these words. Last year I preached through the book of Thessalonians. I prefer to preach expositorily. I like to go verse to verse through the Bible and teach and preach through that. One of my most popular sermons of last year was out of 1 Thessalonians 4 about the day of the Lord because people want to know what the Bible has to say. The Bible is scary, but we have nothing to be afraid of if we're in Christ. If you're not in Christ, hey, you need to get ready. If that Holy Spirit is knocking on the door of your heart, if Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart, you need to open the door and let him in because you can be ready too. Number three, Bible prophecy is too controversial. I've been asked a couple times this last year, I haven't prior to this, with some new folks that are coming to our congregation, hey, what's your stand on the millennium and the second coming? What is your written doctrine? 
And I would simply say, it's in the Bible. You say, well, don't you tell people you need to be pre-trib or post-trib or ah-trib or whatever? And I said, no. You can read it, you can, you can understand it, but it's not anything to divide on it because if it's not clear in the Word of God, folks, we're not probably going to agree on it. We're going to come from different perspectives. There's going to be a tension there. But guess what? Most, well, all of Judaism missed Jesus' first coming, and there were 200 prophecies concerning Jesus' first coming. There's 2,000 prophecies concerning Jesus' second coming. And so we're probably not going to get it right. But we can be ready. We can be prepared. I compare it to this. If, if you and I and Jack and Rose were on the Titanic, and we had some foreknowledge that, that the Titanic was going to hit the iceberg, and we just got into the boat ahead of time before it hit, then we would be saved. Now, if we were just in the dining area and we happened to be close to the lifeboats when we hit the iceberg and we got to the boats quickly, then we would be But if we waited and we were in one of those lower decks in the Titanic like they showed at Wonderworks in North Carolina where it was this last week, that it was tilted like this and and we waited until it got like this to make sure that it was sinking and then we got into the life, folks, we would still be. So it really didn't matter when we got into lifeboats as long as we got into lifeboats. So why would we divide on whether or not we get in the lifeboats before, during, or after? Just get in the boat. So why fight over a controversy when we know it's going to be true? Let's unite on on the fact that Jesus is returning. You You need to be ready. Now, when the apostles asked this question, Jesus told them this parable. And if you turn into your Bibles or your tablets to Matthew chapter 25, you're online, it'll be on the screen, but also check us out uh, with your tablet or phone. This is what Jesus says. He said, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. I want you to get a picture of this. Ten virgins bridesmaids, they, they light their lamps and they go to the edge of town to meet the groom. A little weird. Not the same as what we practice today, is it? And, and so it's going to be like the Disney light parade that comes through town to announce this wedding. But you've got to understand, in this culture, at this time, they didn't have the save the day invitation six months in advance where, where it, it, it would be at 2 a.m. On, or 2 p.m. on a Saturday. They didn't do that. Everybody knew that somebody was going to get married, but they didn't know exactly when it was going to be. The bridesmaids were clued in, and then when the wedding occurred, everybody would gather. Five of them went full, or were foolish, and five were wise for for, for when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. Now, let me just say this. 
When I was a child, I did not like this parable. I did not like this story. We made little lamps. We carried them around. I just thought it was a very unsharing, unkind story. This this, uh, offended my sense of justness, fairness, and kindness. I just didn't get it. I took this very literally. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. It's what wise people do. They prepare. And as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. Now, have you ever been to a wedding like that? Probably not. Now, I've, I've had some weddings. I've had weddings where the bride didn't tell me all the details and waited a half an hour for her to ride a horse in. I'm, I'm serious. I've had weddings that were so hot and so long that the unity candle mel- melted and fell over. I have had outside weddings, and by the way, I hate outside weddings, and I think I'm old enough that, you know, I can't handle outside weddings anymore because I'm frail of health, and I can't just do that anymore. But I've had, had outside weddings where it's so wet and so hot and so humid that the chairs sunk into the ground that people were supposed to sit in, in Indiana, in August. So when you were talking about a wedding, and this wedding, they met him on the edge of town, and it was so late that it was like a midnight wedding. You ever gone to a midnight wedding? Never had, never been asked. Am I going to do one of those? No. And those poor bridesmaids fell asleep. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps, and as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy, and they fell asleep. Can you imagine? But at midnight, there was a cry, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Now, this is upside down, isn't it, to our culture? I think we've got the whole wedding thing wrong. I really do. Verse 7, then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, and this is, to me, this is just wrong. This is really cruel. I don't like this. Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. Hey, go to Ace Hardware and get your oil. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Now, this reminds me of Noah's Ark. It doesn't say they shut it, but someone shut the door. And afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Now, can you imagine bride, your bridesmaids coming in late and you saying to them, I don't know you. That, 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 I mean, we wouldn't do that, would we? These are people that you've invited that they're your friends and you want them to be there. But this is what that bouncer said. And then he goes on, he says, what, watch therefore for you know neither the day nor the hour. That's what Jesus is telling us. I don't know. You don't know. You best be ready. So i got a question for you. What lessons can we learn from this parable? First lesson is to, that we need to be alert and anticipating the return of Jesus. 
I know you've lived all your lives and you've known that Jesus is going to return. And, and like the Jews who are still expecting the Messiah, you can get a little cold and get a little bitter and you can lose and, and, and let down your guard. But this is no time to let down your guard. This is a time to stay vigilant, to stay focused and be alert. And at the same time, some of us aren't looking forward to a return of Jesus because we've got things we want to do in this life. But again, I've got to remind you that nothing in comparison, this life does not compare to the next life we will have with him. You need to be ready. Now, I want you to notice the focus of this passage is not here comes the bride. It is here comes the groom. You see, when Jesus returns, it's all about the groom. You're saying, well, that's wrong. That's not the way to do a wedding. You see, we as the church, the body of Christ, we are the bride of Christ. Why did Jesus never marry? It was because he had a bride, and it was going to be us, his church. He's coming back for us. Stay focused on the groom. We're not going to miss it like the Jews did when Jesus was born. There were 200, 200 prophecies in regard to that, 2,000 prophecies toward his second coming. But when the groom comes, you're not going to miss it. Why? Because in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, this is what it's going to say. It says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. The whole world is going to know when Jesus comes. And then John writes, again, reinforcing this whole idea. In Revelation 1.7, he says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. At the end of Revelation, he says, Maranatha, Lord Jesus, come quickly. First lesson, be focused, be ready. Second lesson is this. Keep your spiritual reserves high. And I think about, when I think about this, I think about the doomsday prepper, the, uh, the, the go-to bag. What is that called? The, oh, bug out bag. Yes, I think that you need to have a spiritual bug out bag. And in that, I think that your, your bug out bag should include your Bible. And as you read your Bible, I read the Bible through every year for the last 35, 40 years. As I read my Bible, I read every prophecy that has been written about the return of Jesus. It helps encourage me to stay focused and be alert. I can go on vacation for two weeks, leave you all behind, and I can still be focused on the coming of Christ because I'm spending time with the Lord every day. And our prayer time, we need to, to ask the Holy Spirit to, to come inside of us, to indwell us, to, to, to fill us completely to overflowing. Because you know what? I leak and you leak. And that's because I'm a sinner and you're a sinner. And we need God's grace and we need that indwelling of the Holy Spirit to overflow in us 
just like that oil needed to overflow in those foolish virgin bridesmaids' lamps. We need to keep our lamp burning and bright all the time because we have a witness. Our light shines in the darkness. You make a difference. Amen? Because God is working in and through you. The Apostle Paul said it really well in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. He says this, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit filling you? And, and I want to say this. Part of your bug out bag should include face-to-face, in-person relationships with other Christians around you. Anyone that you admire, anybody that you honor that is before you in Christ, if they would tell you the truth, they'd say, hey, you know, the, the relationships I have, the life groups, the, the ministries that I'm involved with, the Sunday school classes that have made the difference, those people that I've met, they've made all the difference in the world, and that's what keeps me going on. And folks, we can't do that at home. We can't do that online. We need each other. I love this community. I love the community that I have surrounding me on our office staff and, and, and our, our ministers. I love that. I need that desperately, and so do you. This, this pandemic, this, this virus has set us apart, and we think now it's normal to be alone. You can't do it alone. We need each other. Gathering is important. And so that's what I would include in my bug out bag. My Bible, the Holy Spirit, the filling, the, uh, the gathering of his people, the bride of Christ. We need each other. And the third lesson is simply this. Get ready and receive God's grace while you still can. If you're online visiting, whether you're in Uganda or Canada, or in Florida, and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you need to know Him. That's the number one thing to get ready, is just to know God's saving grace. He died for you. He loves you. He loves you with a crazy, crazy love that's unbelievable. And like a child, like a grandchild, there's nothing can do that you can do to separate you from that love of Christ. That's what Scripture says. He wants you to confess Him as Lord and Savior. He wants you to repent because it's better for you. Your life will be better. He wants you to be baptized into Christ. He wants you to live for Him that you can be a light in the darkness as that Holy Spirit indwells you to give you the oil that you can burn to live. Folks, we need Jesus always. And no matter if you've been in Jesus, all your life, or you are just making that decision today. We need him. You need him. I need him desperately. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time to get ready for his coming. And the question is, are you ready? He will come when he will. But are you ready for him to come?